together as we prepare to hear God's word. Lord, we thank you that you are bigger than the boogeyman, that you're bigger even than our own selfish ambitions. We pray, Lord, that as we encounter this text today, that we might encounter you, that your spirit might move in our hearts, that it might illumine the dark places in our lives, that it might draw us into the promises that you have made to your people, that we too might be a people of hope, not a people of despair, not a people that think we have to do it on our own. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Um, and uh, before we read, I want to remind you where we are in the story. Um, so we have, we've moved through Samuel's judgeship of Israel, and then Saul was anointed as king and served as king for a long time. He chased after David for quite a long time, um, and David was on the run. Finally, Saul... Uh, has died and David has been anointed as king over Israel. He's fought the battles that he needed to fight to unite all of Israel together. And what he did last week was he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, into the city that was going to be his royal city, the city where he would reign. He also brought the Ark, the symbol of God's presence with Israel with him. And so he danced in front of the Lord uh, and he said, I'll become even more undignified than this when his wife criticized him for being um, less than respectable in his worship and praise of God. And this week, David decides he wants to build a temple for the Lord. This is 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now when the king was settled in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See, now I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I've been moving about in a tent in the tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be prince over my people Israel, And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may live in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies." Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. The Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will punish him with a rod such as mortals use with blows inflicted by human beings. But I will not take my steadfast love from him. 
as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray once more. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. David uh, concludes this chapter with a song of praise to God. We'll talk about that uh, this evening at worship, but we'll put it on hold for now. So David has decided to build a temple for the Lord. He's feeling a little bit... um, a little bit convicted because he's living in a royal palace made of cedar and the Lord's Ark is still out in a tent, in a temporary, impermanent, and not very stable structure. But David's desire is not just his desire in this moment. This is what everybody who's made it wants to do. What do you do when you've accomplished everything that you want? You build a building. Or you start a foundation and you put your name on it. If you walk around college campuses, everywhere you go, there's the so-and-so building that was paid for by so-and-so. This is David's position. Literally everything he's been promised and dreamed of to this point has happened. The Lord has set aside every one of his enemies. The Lord has put him in the place of king. He's given him everything that he needs to rule. The ark is back where it needs to be. David's life is good. And so he decides it's time to build a building. It's time to make a name for himself that expresses how much he loves the Lord that's put him in the position where he finds himself. Everything has come together, and now it's time to build a building. So he's going to build a temple. This will be the crowning achievement of David's reign, something to honor the God that has brought him from following after sheep to being the shepherd of all of Israel, to ruling over the nation of God's holy people that were chosen as far back as Abraham and led out of Egypt by Moses and by the Lord. He's going to do this in the city that will be forever tied to his name, Jerusalem, the city of David. I need to build God a house, David says. He needs somewhere more permanent to live. He shouldn't have poorer accommodations than I do here in my palace. Everyone knows that you don't let your honored guests sleep in a tent. I'll build a house for the Lord. And at first, his prophet advisor, Nathan, this is the first time we meet him, but we'll encounter him some more throughout the story. He trusts David. He says, The Lord is with you. Whatever you want to do is probably of the Lord. Go right ahead and build your temple. So David has his plan. He'll he'll build God. He'll treat God like he would want to be treated. He'll build God a house, a grand temple for the ark to stay in. David wants to treat God like David would want to be treated. We do this all the time, don't we? We give the gift that we want rather than the one that we're sure that the other person might enjoy. 
There's an iPhone commercial out right now where the guy gives the girl an, an iPhone for their anniversary and um, it turns out they've only been dating like 20-something days or whatever. And she says, well, this is kind of strange. You should really get this for yourself. And he says, oh, don't worry, I did. Uh, here's my iPhone. Thank you very much for giving it to me. I did it just last week trying to help someone else by doing something I imagined would be helpful without getting all the facts first. When Katie and I had first started dating, we'd been dating for a little while. We were in our senior year of college, and we, met, we went to meet uh, the grandparents in Aberdeen. She'd never met Grandma Bowen before, and she knew Grandma loved food, so she asked me if she should make Grandma some banana bread. And I said, sure, that would, be, that would be great. And we got there, and I was walking in with these loaves of banana bread that Katie had worked really hard in a college dorm to get everything together to bake. And I said, Grandma, I baked you banana bread. And she knew I didn't bake her any banana bread, so she laughed and she said, Oh, Chad, you know I don't like banana bread. Katie did her diligence, but I didn't do mine. And we gave her something that she didn't want. This is where David is as well. Surely the Lord wants to live in a house. But when Nathan goes to sleep that night, he hears a different word from the Lord. That David is not the one to build a house for God, that he's perfectly content in his tent. This is the most important passage in all of First and Second Samuel. This is as important as the promise that God makes to Abraham. It's as important as the promises that God makes to Israel when he gives Moses the law. This passage shapes the rest of Israel's life and the rest of the history of the world as David receives this promise from the Lord. This promise that God will raise up an heir of David to rule over the world and establish a throne forever. This is the hope that we find fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This passage shapes our understanding of who Jesus is. It's why we call him Christ at all. Christ is the Greek word. Messiah is the Hebrew word. They mean anointed, the anointed one of the Lord. This was the hope that another would be anointed by the Lord, even as David had been. So David wants to build a building. He wants to make a name for himself and express his great love for the Lord, but the Lord wants something else. The Lord doesn't want a building. He doesn't want a house. He's just fine in his tent. He never asked for an ark for a house of cedar. He wants to make David a house, not a building, but he wants to make the lineage of David something that shapes the future of the universe. This is the kind of promise that sticks with you. This is a promise of hope and of expectation that someone after you, God is going to raise up one of your very own flesh and establish a kingdom for him that will never end, a throne that will last forever. This is the sort of generation after generation hope that is innate within us, that we want to leave a legacy. And David finally gets this promise. David becomes the heir of the promises of Israel and the one who will carry them out. This isn't the sort of promise that you forget. It's the sort of thing that you continue to wait for forever if you have to, to see if God will be faithful to what God has said 
into what God has promised. As God makes this promise to David, he, he employs both aspects of the past and of the present. He says, David, I've been with you everywhere you've gone. I have raised you up from where you started, out in the fields following after the sheep, to where you are now, living in a palace full of people taking care of you, with all of your enemies put aside. I have taken care of you as I have taken care of Israel for generations. I've taken care of you in the past. And now, right now, in the present, I'm going to speak to you promises about my activity and my future. David, through Nathan's words, knows the will and the desire and the promise of God for the future. God is working on David now so that he knows what God will be doing and what comes next. And what comes next is filled with hope. It's filled with a longing and an expectation, not for what David can do for God, but what God can do for David. He's going to make David's name great. He's going to provide a place for his people, Israel, that he's been promising all along, where they can be planted and have a home and no longer be disturbed. Some of you who grew up with siblings know what it's like to finally get your own room. To finally be in a place where you are no longer disturbed by anybody else. This is the promise for Israel. To have their own place, a place where no one would come and disturb them. And then rather than David building a house for the Lord, the Lord will establish a house for you, David. He will raise up your offspring to succeed you and the Lord will establish his kingdom forever. This one is the one who will build the house for the Lord. I will be his father. He will be my son. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. You see, the promise here is for the continuance of this line. That the throne of the one who follows after David will be established forever. It will never be interrupted. But David, when he hears this, as he sings the song that we'll talk about tonight, as he prays and prays of the Lord, he thinks that it'll be his line that continues absolutely uninterrupted. He and Israel think that David's son will reign after him, and that happens with Solomon, and that Solomon's son will reign after him, and it will continue on forever and ever. But it doesn't turn out to work that way for Israel. It turns out that after Solomon, things start to fall apart and they get worse and worse until finally all of Israel is conquered and many of them are carried out of the land that God has promised them and into exile. This promise then becomes not only one of hope but one of concern for Israel. The Lord made this promise that is unconditional to David. He says that your, your offspring might do badly, they might misbehave, they might be unfaithful, and I will correct them, but I will not abandon this promise. And so when Israel finds themselves conquered and scattered, they wonder if God's hope will hold true. They wonder if God's word will hold true. They wonder if God's promise, his covenant, is trustworthy. And then we get the coming of the Lord in Jesus the one who is the son of David, the one whom we call the Messiah, the one who is the hope of our future and our present because of what he's done in the past. 
You see, we are in the same position as David today. We know what the Lord has done for us, that in Christ He has reconciled us to God and He has made a way for even those of us who are Gentiles to come into the family of God and live in the fullness of life that we find in Jesus Christ. We also know where we can look in the future, what we hope for, that soon and very soon we are going to see the King, that there will be no more crying, no more dying, no more sickness, no more grief. We say this, this, we articulate this faith that we have each time we do communion by saying, Christ has died. God has done his work in the past. Christ is risen. That Christ presently is reigning on high with God. That we may know him and love him and serve him. And that Christ will come again. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. This is the content of our faith. And this has nothing to do with a building. You see, it's not even primarily about what we can do for God. It has everything to do with what God can do for us. The whole story to this point that we've read has been about how the important thing is not that we make sure that God is on our team, but that we find ourselves on God's team. And if we're on God's team, then David doesn't get to decide when to build the temple God gets to decide that. And David, even as king who's been established by God to reign over all of Israel, doesn't get to lead without the Lord's prompting. But there's more. We learn that God's promise, God's kingdom, God's hope precedes the building of the temple. So it's not in the temple that the hope of Israel lies. It's in their relationship with God and their hope for a king who will deliver them. This is really important because it was very easy for the Israelites to make the temple an idol. Solomon did build a temple for Israel, and when they got conquered, it was destroyed. They built another temple, the second temple that was around when Jesus was around, that no one thought they could destroy. They said, look at how big the stones are. No one could destroy this one. And then not long after Jesus died, Rome destroyed it as well. It's not the temple that we worship. It's not the building that is the most important aspect of our faith. Sometimes we feel like we just couldn't do it without the sanctuary, the one that we worked so hard to pay for and to build and to plan. But the temple is always a means to something more. The temple isn't sacred only in its own right. It's not even necessary for God's promises to be fulfilled. David wants a temple and the Lord gives him an heir. He gives him a promise, a covenant, a legacy, a hope. And this isn't only a hope for David. It's a hope for all of Israel and it turns out for all of the world. That Israel, that the people of God, that we the church will never be conquered because the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ will endure forever. This covenant is not conditional on our behavior. It's conditional on God's actions. It doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want without consequences. The Lord will offer corrections, but the promise of God will prove to be reliable even when Israel is not. When Jesus finally arrives on the scene, John the Baptist sends some of his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one that we've been waiting for? And Jesus tells them that the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk, that the kingdom of God has arrived. 
We as the church might want to be about protecting and preserving the building or the foundation or whatever it is we think that we want to establish in the name of God for God. But we're called to something different. We're called to abiding and sharing in the hope that we have found in Christ Jesus. The one who's been seated at the right hand of the Father and given a name that is above every name. The one who has outstripped even David in terms of his power and authority, glory and majesty. David wanted to share his power and his wealth with God. God said, no, it really works the other way around. I'll establish your house. I'll establish your throne. We shouldn't be surprised when the one who ultimately establishes the throne, the one who's anointed one, the one who's anointed in David's line turns out to be none other than God himself, that he is the son and God is the father, that the heir of David is also the son of God, prepared to unite the kingdom of this world with the world, with the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the world to come, that he's prepared to rule in mercy and justice forevermore to be called the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. You see, it's not David's throne at all. It's the Lord's throne. And it's the Lord's promise and it's the Lord's house. It's the Lord's temple. We are a people with a past. A past that testifies to God's faithfulness, to God's steadfast love, to the surety of God's promises. And we're a people of God's present. We don't believe that God only worked in the past so that we could go to heaven one day and that doesn't really do that much for us now, but we believe that God is truly active by the power of his spirit through his church and in the world to make a difference in the lives of God's people. God is not disinterested in what's happening now, even as we look towards a future where all will be well. This promise to David is the promise to Israel and it's a promise to the whole world that God is making all things well, that all will be right with the world when Christ our Lord comes to reign in final victory. Let's pray. Lord, because we are sometimes dishonest with one another, because we're not always reliable, we wonder if you are reliable. We fear that we can't trust your promises. We fear that Christ's work might not really be enough for us. We think that we have to build something or do something to make a name for ourselves so that maybe you'll notice us and praise us. But you knew us long ago before we could do anything for ourselves. And you made promises to your people long before we were even a twinkle in our parents' eyes. And you have proven faithful over and over and over again to your people that you are a God of your word. So we pray that you would invite us now into true faith, that we might believe that your promises are sure for us, that you can save us, that you can give us new life, that you can reign over us even when it seems like the world is full of chaos and brokenness, that you can bring healing and peace. Let us trust your promises. Against all every expectation, let us hope in you and trust in your word. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah and our Lord, your Son, the one who saves us. Amen.
I invite you now to turn in your hymnals to number 545 to stand and sing about what it is that makes us the church. The church is one foundation, number 545. Our second and last verses. <clears throat> The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ the Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From man he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. Elect from every nation, yet one o'er all the earth, her charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth. One holy name she blesses, partakes one holy food, and to one hope she presses with every grace endued. Yet she on earth hath union with God the three in one, and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. Oh, happy ones and holy, Lord, give us grace that we, like them the meek and lowly, on I may dwell with thee. We'll join together now in confessing our faith with the Apostles' Creed. You can find it on page 881 of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated as we pray together. 
do invite you to continue to be in prayer for uh, Bobby and Winnell. Bobby's still in the hospital, hoping to move to rehab this week, um, but they definitely continue to need our prayers. Let's pray together. Lord, we know your promises for the world, and yet we look around and we see the warring madness. We see the chaos. We see the ways that we treat one another. We see the ways that we bicker and fight with even those whom we're supposed to love the most. And we wonder if your promises will hold true for us. We pray, Lord, that you would give us this week an extra helping of your grace. That we